Hello, everyone. We are rolling for another episode of the JJF1 podcast, where Jonah and Jordan talk about all things related to F1. Well, it's been a crazy last few months since the last time we recorded. Um, personally, uh, we I managed to uh, go to France, and I'm currently in France for the next few months. But between that time, we had the last race of the F1 season, we had the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix, where Max Verstappen won from Lewis Hamilton and became, for the first time ever, world champion, with Carlos Sainz finishing in third. So we're going to talk about that a little bit, and then from there, we're going to make this into our little bit of our end of season uh, review where we're going to be uh, going through the drivers one by one and giving them a school grade from F to A uh, based on their season. So Jordan, um, we have a lot to talk about and uh, I want to, it's been crazy long. I miss you, buddy. I'm glad we're back on the podcast. Uh, How do you feel? Well, I feel really good. We're back on the podcast. Jonah and I are now on two different continents. He's in Europe. I'm in North America. So we're recording this. There's a bit of a time difference, but it's good to, to see a familiar face and to know that Jonah is enjoying himself on his student exchange. Um, he, he actually went, he'll talk about this later, but he went to the FIA headquarters and sent me a video of it. And I'm sure after this Abu Dhabi Grand Prix, there's a lot to be discussed about things that are happening at the FIA headquarters. And I'm excited to talk about that with you, Jonah. What, what are your initial thoughts of the of the race we had a crazy race and let's start off with qualifying because in qualifying max had a bit of a tire issue in q2 and qualified on the softs whereas hamilton qualified on the mediums which was the better tire after qualifying what was your uh, initial uh, take on qualifying and what did you anticipate for the race at that point you know what? I wish we had different. I wish we had different tire strategies throughout the entire grid. Um, one thing that I really enjoyed about the sprint race format was that you were able to, uh, after the sprint, choose whatever tire you wanted to uh, to start the full race, and uh, we got to see a really different dynamic between the softs and, and the mediums um, for Verstappen and for Hamilton. Um, because of because of the fact that Max qualified on softs, but I don't think that you should that tire strategy should be chosen based on being forced to qualify on the softs uh, instead of the mediums. So, um, but did I think that it was a a big factor? Not really uh, at the beginning, but I think that uh, in the pits, I knew that it was going to play a huge factor. Um, because we we figured that uh, Verstappen was going to be in first. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I didn't really think that much of it. And I just want to say that uh, while I was watching this race, uh, I watched the first hour of the race, and then I wrote a final exam. <laughs> and then, <laughs> yeah, it's true. I wrote a final exam, and I threw my phone away, like, far away from where I could reach it before I turned on my TV and I watched the rest of the race. So I 
figured, you know, about an hour in, I thought that Hamilton was going to win. It looked, it looked pretty decisive. And then I finished my final exam and I watched the rest of the race. So <laughs> yeah, it was, um, it was a lot. I mean, first, one thing that we need to talk about even before we get to the race is that the Abu Dhabi circuit was redeveloped. Um, we had a few parts of the track that were fixed, uh, most notably uh, the stupid chicane before the hairpin uh, got taken out. And uh, there was a um, there's a bank turn now, a slightly bank turn on the uh, at the end of the second DRS zone. So uh, I wanted to know, Jordan, do you think that those developments made for tighter racing and more interesting racing based on the snooze fests? that we've had the last few years. Yeah, I remember texting you, Jonah, at the 2020 Abu Dhabi Grand Prix when Max Verstappen had crazy lead. He won by a landslide. And like you said, snooze fest. Boring, very, very bad finale in terms of track when you compare it to the rest of the season. I think it made a huge difference because disregarding the implications of the race, and there were many, I think that in uh, future seasons, when you know a title may, might already be decided by the point by the time we get to Abu Dhabi, these changes might make for a very interesting race for the rest of the grid. And I think that these new turns and these developments, I think, contributes to that a lot. I think it makes them much more exciting, just because at a track like that, that chicane stopped a lot of overtaking at the Herpine. Um, we see in Montreal, for example, that there's overtaking done at, at the Herpine at the end of the circuit. I think it's the, uh, I think it's the, uh, the west side of the circuit. There's a huge Herpine, you know, similar to, uh, not similar to Monaco, but it's right after a long straight. And there's some overtaking that, that's done there in history. And I think that overtakes can be done at a Herpine in Abu Dhabi but that, that chicane stopped it from happening like it would have happened in Montreal, for example. And I'm very happy that after DRS straight, it's not very heartbreaking or, I mean, it's not a chicane also. It's a turn where you're able to use your DRS to get past yeah. the car in front of you. It's the DRS is doing its job and it only does its job because of what comes afterwards. And now it's able to do that. Yeah, I mean, Imagine if we did not have the redeveloped circuit, we would not have Max Verstappen as a world champion right now. Yeah, exactly. He overtook at that turn. I he was overtook just at the new developed, the new redeveloped turn. I mean, you know what? We could just go back. We could dive straight into it. I mean, the first lap of the race, we had already the controversy started where uh lewis hamilton went off the track past max and then gave back what was his quote-unquote lasting advantage instead of passing him i mean when i saw that happening i was just extremely confused as to what was going on because normally i thought they would have just let max by yeah well i just want to say one thing before we we dive into this there's a lot of talk on the internet and on twitter about ending the FIA team radio between the team bosses and the FIA on TV. What do you they, think? I, I'm against it completely. I think it is fantastic. It's I good think TV. That, I think that if the FIA lets 
someone like Toto Wolf or Jonathan Wheatley or Christian Horner or anybody from the two teams influence his decision. I don't think that that is because they have easy access to the FIA. I think that is because uh, of Michael Massey himself. And in that event where they find that those are, that it, that if, I mean, if it, it can be determined that there's a direct correlation between comments of the team bosses and, the, and a certain move on Michael Massey's behalf and the influence of that move, I think the problem lies at the top, at the FIA's point, at Michael Massey's post, where he shouldn't let anybody influence his decision, just like how an NHL referee shouldn't let the team captain influence his call on a penalty. Yeah. I don't think that you should limit the access. I think you should make sure you have an impartial judge um, at the end of the day. I love it. I think everybody should have access to what goes on between the team bosses and the FIA. I think it makes for so much more exciting, uh, a, a much more exciting viewer experience. And I am, I just wanted to, I just wanted to, to, to address that because I'm so against it. I will say it does make some pretty good TV, but now talk about lap one. <laughs> lap one, I think was, personally, I think that um, Max aggressive is an aggressive, Max Verstappen is an aggressive driver, as I have said previously in the past. But this time, it's funny because, because Lewis, Lewis kind of gained an advantage from his move. And I feel like in this case, the roles were reversed and he was the more aggressive driver. And it pains me to say it because I really, going into it, I really wanted him to win. And when he did that, I, I thought he exaggerated his, yes, he might've been squeezed a bit, but I think he over, I think he overstepped his boundaries by taking the exit route and kind of, and I feel like he knew that he was, uh, that he was gaining an advantage from it. And that's why I think it was more Lewis's fault than Max's fault. And I, I hate to say it, but I agree with Red Bull that the place should have been given back to a certain yeah. extent. I don't think that the, you know, they said, okay, uh, Michael Massey, or I forget who was on the FI radio, said the gap was reduced, the advantage was given back. I don't think that's what it was. Michael, uh, Max Verstappen had, uh, had the inside line he had had it clean. I really don't think that um, the advantage was uh, given back in a sort of way. I think that that was a failure on the FIA's decision. That's my yeah, opinion. I was, Jonah. No, I was just as confused as you are because the, the, the race prior, we had a situation where at least, uh, what's it called? At least Max tried to give the position back to Lewis because of something that happened. Uh, but he didn't. So I figured that there was going to be the same situation where they just said, listen, let Max buy and we'll come back after. And uh, clearly, clearly it didn't happen. I mean, I thought that that was going to be the last bending of the rules for the race. Clearly, yeah, clearly. Clearly not the case. Um, I, it, it, just, it was confusing to me because Max has a tendency uh, to, you know, we saw in Monza to really not, um, to really go for it. He, he's the type of guy that when Lewis is in front, he doesn't care how he's going to get by him. He will eventually get by him. And he tried it in Monza 
and you know we had a crazy crash. Yeah. So it's just funny to see the roles reversed, and you know Lewis taking on that aggressive role. Um, so to me, that that's what I took away from that when I saw that. I said, "We're in for a treat today." Yeah. And I said to myself, "I feel bad for Jonah that he's writing a final exam." <laughs> Well, you know what? Speaking of speaking of Lewis, um, someone that was trying to hold up Lewis as much as possible um, after a pit stop was none other than Sergio Perez, a defense masterclass, in my opinion. I think that that was some of the best defending that I've ever seen in Formula One. Um, we've seen some great defending this year. We they, like. This with Hamilton and then Alonso and Hamilton basically guaranteeing Akon the win in Hungary. Um, Jordan, I mean, from the beginning of Sergio's season to now, we could see that there's been a lot of growth. But do you think that this defense of shaving six seconds off Lewis's gain uh, is, is proof that Sergio finally belonged in this team? I'm going to get to that. But the first thing I want to say is that at one point in the season, I think it was around the Belgian Grand Prix time, I said a comment on the podcast that, you know, I'm eating my words now. I said, George Russell and Sergio Perez, I believe, had the same amount of points yeah. in a span of a couple of races. And I said that Sergio Perez, blah, 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 might not be right for Red Bull. I'm eating my words now. I take it completely back. And I take I it back for one reason. I think you actually said, if I'm not mistaken, that, uh, no, we both said at that point that Sergio Perez's contract extension was not exactly deserved. And you said that Pierre Gasly should be in that seat instead. So I actually take that back and I, you know, we'll do a driver prediction in one future episode. But what I will say is that I think that Sergio Perez really deserves the seat. And I think he deserves a seat for 2023 even. I'm, I'm, I'm capable of saying that right now. And I'll tell you, and there's one reason and one reason only. It's because contrary to the other people that have tried to take Sergio Perez's seat and keep it a seat, Sergio Perez is in it and has the right mentality. And that mentality being, he knows his spot is not to be the number one driver. He knows his spot is not to, you know, win every second or every third weekend. His spot is to be an accessory to Max Verstappen and to compliment him in the best way that he possibly can. And because Sergio Perez knows his role, I think that is why he's succeeding at Red Bull. And Pierre Gasly and Alex Sabon both didn't adopt a similar role. They wanted to make it their own. I think that is why they failed. Nothing to do with his racecraft, nothing to do with his skill. It is just to do with his level of maturity and his understanding, the understanding that he has for his employment, essentially. Okay. You know what? That's a very solid analysis, I will say. Um, one thing that I'm actually really happy that we got finally by the end of this, uh, by the end of this season is... I wouldn't say it's the same as Sebastian Vettel and Mark Webber, but finally they have two good drivers. <laughs> yeah. Which the last time that they had two good drivers was 
Not well. I mean, I would I'd say, say Ricardo. Ricardo. I would say and, Ricardo and Vettel, or yeah. Ricardo and Max, which has yeah, been a while. Too. Which has been a while. So, finally, I, can we? I'm not going to jump uh, to conclusions already and say that the second Red Bull seat is no longer cursed, but <laughs> it's definitely a good sign to see that Sergio Perez finally uh, picked it up this year. Yeah, he, and he won a race. He had three podiums in a row, I believe. He, yeah. In the States, in Mexico, and in Brazil, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he was, he was good for what they hired him to do. Yeah. They hired to him to not win the Drivers' Championship. That's out the window. He knew that before signing. They hired him to be a compliment to Max Verstappen, to make sure that Max Verstappen wins the championship, and to get as high as and to challenge Mercedes as much as possible when it comes to the Constructors' Championship. So in, in a sense, sort of, at least beat Valtteri Bottas. Yeah, that's a, that's a very solid analysis. That's, um, that's what I take from it. And, you know, if we, if we could get, if we get back to the race, how do you think that, that helped Max with his rest of the race? Because in the moment, that helped him tremendously. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you exactly how that helped him. How he, Sergio Perez made Max go six seconds at one point a lap faster than Lewis Hamilton because of it. I think that it was pure genius. Those six seconds, I mean, we thought that after the safety car wasn't like that it was game over and that there wasn't going to be a lasting advantage. But you know what? Those, those six seconds could have made a huge difference in even whether the safety car was going to come in or not. So I think any had any of the variables of this race gone one way or another, we would have a different world champion. So um, regard, we would have a different world champion, whether it be going Lewis's way or whether it would be going Max's way. Uh, this race was the pure concentration of chaos to sum up this crazy year. <laughs> um, Honestly, maybe one of the most competitive and crazy years in Formula One recent history. Some people are already calling this the best season in Formula One history. It, it, it might very well be. I'm excited for the new cars, but it might yeah. Um, I mean. I think we know what we want, what I what I want to bring up next. But I want to know if you have something to bring up before we talk about our best friend, the safety car, and Michael Massey. Uh, let's get right into it. All right, let's get right into it. Are so, you, are we firing Michael Massey? Let's let's dissect. <laughs> what happened all right Jonah? Let's, let's let's give a rundown about what happened because it has been a, a so are months. we starting with with geo or no we're starting with the actual safety we're talking car. with we're talking about latifi doing tokyo drift into the wall okay so there's a huge battle going on in this race that nobody knows about and it's nikita no no it's mick schumacher and nicholas latifi nikita masters out with covid crazy hotel section racing what happens next nicholas latifi is in the wall the canadian hero himself the canadian legend nicholas latifi is in is in the wall so a safety car comes out but there are less than 10 laps in the race 
because of the impact of the crash, because of the debris all over the place, and because it wasn't even in a runoff area, it was, it was straight middle of the circuit. Um, the safety car and the cleaning took a long time. And there was, you know, there was, the pack was shortened. However, Hamilton had lapped already a few cars, actually all of the cars. And Verstappen was getting to that point, but when the safety car hit, he wasn't there yet. So between Hamilton and Verstappen, there were cars that were lapped by Hamilton and yet to be lapped by Verstappen. And this is when the controversy starts. There was a whole debate as to whether the safety car, the unlapped or the lapped cars would be able to unlap themselves. Normally all of the lapped cars do so, but in this case, it was the cars in between Hamilton and Verstappen that only did so. I think Ricardo was behind Verstappen and didn't unlap himself. Now, Jonah, what do you think was going through the race director's head when he said to unlap the cars? Because originally there wasn't, there weren't going to be unlapped. No. And then they were unlapped. And we know that the rule of thumb is that they normally don't unlap themselves. However, the race director has, you know, the dictatorship and the ultimate veto power to all of this. It is written in the FIA safety code. Yeah. Jonah, what are you, put yourself in the race director's head. What you is know what? On? I'm going to quote the race director, Michael Massey, um, and say what he, what he said, what he told to Toto Wolf after the race. Michael, it's called a motor race. And I think that that was exactly what was going through his head. I wouldn't say that he want like, there's this whole thing about like he was trying to fix the race or something. I think that that's completely BS. Um, one thing that I could say is um, the reason why it took so long and why he, why the flip-flopping on my, in my opinion was there was because he was trying to take care of the marshals. I mean, we forget that these marshals are volunteers who are trying to pull out a, a multiple thousand pound F1 car off the track and clean off debris. Um, I think that out of the respect for the volunteers that have put so much time and effort into, um, into this race, uh, Michael Massey decided that well, I mean, he predicted that the marshals weren't going to clean up everything in time for there to be enough racing. And then when everything worked out, that there was enough racing to be done or that there were enough laps so that they could go racing, that some of the cars were allowed to be unlapped. That's, that's what I think was running through Michael Massey's head in the first place of flip-flopping between, okay, the cars aren't going to be able to unlap and then the cars are going to be unlapped. Because if you're unlapping... Um, a car during the, sorry, at the point of the crash, I mean, not only are you risking uh, slow punctures on the car's tires, but you're also risking hitting a marshal. So I, I, I'm thinking more of the people who are on the track who are not at all affiliated with the race and who are trying their best to clean up the car because that's what they were trained to do. 
Yeah, I think that you you really hit the nail on the coffin. Uh, the nail is it does is that is that what the expression is? You know what? It's like eleven o'clock at night in 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 Anyway, you, you hit the nail right on the yes. head. You hit the nail right on the head. Yeah, I got I it. Um, but yes, um, yeah, I think that's a very accurate uh, take on what happened. And I, I love how you brought up the it's a motor race, Toto. It's a motor race. They went motor racing. I will say though, the <laughs> mic, the mic on on Toto is going to be memed for the rest of time. Yeah, the no, no Michael, Michael no. no right. <laughs> That's the best. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, first, I just want to say to Nicholas Latifi, my 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 thoughts are with you, man, because I heard that he got like death threats. I heard he got threats to his family after the race. And Crazy. I feel for that. It was not his fault. No one ever should be doing this. That's crazy. Just wanted to say that. I saw that on the, there were the Williams released a statement afterwards. Crazy stuff. In terms of the race, I think that that's what was going through his mind. Yes, the marshals are first and foremost what his concern are and cleaning up the mess because even when racing does happen, eventually does resume, he wants to make sure that there's no debris there because that could seriously hurt the racers. Um, but now let's go to what you think should have happened, Jonah. Oh God. There's a difference between what did happen and what should have happened. Now, you're not an FIA employee. You're not, uh, you haven't studied the FIA safety code. To, to my knowledge, you haven't. Um, no, the closest thing I got to studying the FIA safety code was being 50 meters away from the FIA headquarters in Paris. Exactly. So <laughs> Jonah, what do you think should have happened? When you watched that, what was going through your head? And what were you thinking? What was going through your head? Were you upset? Were you, you know happy? what? I could. It was beautiful TV. <laughs> it was absolutely beautiful TV. I loved every single second of it. Um, you know, one point that changed my opinion originally on what happened was apparently all of the F one teams signed an agreement that. Uh, at when most possible, they tried to end all the races under green flags. So if that proceeds all, if, if that's what the, the teams want to have better races and to have better TV, then Michael Massey made the right decision. Do I, is it something that I've never seen before ever to let like five cars unlap themselves conveniently between first and second place? No. Um, is Michael Massey a god for letting it happen? Absolutely. <laughs> I I I don't have an I I don't I don't think that anything should have changed if if the teams wanted to have a green green flag racing at the end of each race and um and Michael Massey has the utmost decision, then I think that it's it's his decision to do what he wants to do. Um, I don't I don't have anything past that to say because there realistically, 
when you're under that kind of pressure and you're thinking about like or like I said earlier, the marshals and the race and we all know that it's not supposed to be in in the back of Michael's head, but let's be real. It is the championship after all. So when you have that lurking in the back of your head and you have one guy responsible for it, there's you're bound to do something where you basically put your foot down and say, listen, I run the show here. And I think that was exactly what Michael Massey did. Yeah. Um, it's really, it's really hard to understand what went, went down in his brain and what he was thinking when he, he made that call. But like, I think it's the last, uh, the last stipulation at the end of the, of the, of the code that everyone's referencing says that he has the power to overrule any of the preceding uh, rules in the FIA safety code if he deems fit. And he, because the stakes were high, because there was a lot on the line, because there was a lot of things going on and it was the final lap, he had to make that call. Now, was it the right call? Do I think it should have happened? It's hard to say, but I think that, I think that it was the right call. I think that they, you know, it's really, it's because I, 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 everyone knows this. I'm not the biggest Max Verstappen fan, so it's funny that I'm saying this, but I do think that it was the right call. And that, you know, at the end of the day, it, it, it was going to come down to the wire. And I think that it was just facilitated that way, but I think that he did the right thing. Um, and yeah. I love it for TV's sake. That's all that I, I have. My heart That's all pounding. that I have to, to say. My heart I loved it for, for the fantastic TV. Yeah, it was amazing. I, I, just, I just didn't understand what happened. I was yeah. on Twitter for you know two hours afterwards, just looking for updates, the appeals, the this, the that. Crazy, crazy, yeah. crazy. So speaking Let's, of which, uh, we're, I just last comment on, on the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix before we go into our, our mini end of season review is Max Verstappen is now a world champion. Jordan, how do you feel? How do I feel? I think that he is uh, very deserving. And it's great to see a new world champion. I always like seeing new winners uh, and new uh, young talent. Um, do, I re I, I, do I appreciate his ultra aggressive race style? That's a topic for another video, <laughs> but for another podcast. Um, but I am very happy to see another world champion. And I'm also very happy to see the number one coming to the grid next year. I think it's great that he's changing his number to one. I think that every world champion should do that. You know what? I have a controversial take for you. I don't think that he should change his number to number one. I think I think every world champion should change. His no, number to one. I don't think so. I think that's just a really cocky move. But I think it's fantastic. That's that's my opinion. Um, but with regardless of my opinion of him switching to number one versus number thirty-three. Um, I think that it's the terrific conclusion to the crazy season that we've had. And um, I mean, even, even personally, we started a podcast at the beginning of, of this season and look at how far we've come 
uh, to the end of this season. And to see our opinions on each of the drivers change um, in general over the course of the season, I, I think that it's great that we have this all on the record. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and that also, uh, in the end, uh, I'm super happy that regardless of who won, it was a fantastic season. Um, I think that overall, Max definitely drove a better season. Uh, so ultimately, he was the most deserving of it. That's the way that I see it. Um, I think that especially at the beginning where his gaps were huge and, and Hamilton managed to close it up and everything, I think that <clears throat> it was a valiant, valiant effort and it was very well deserved for Max to come on top. That's 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 what I have to say about it. I think both of them deserved it. I think Max deserved it. I think Hamilton deserved it equally. Yeah. Uh, I find it crazy that Max was on the podium. I think he missed the podium only the times he DNF'd. He DNF'd. Times, besides, besides Hungary, I think. Um, and yeah. that also was a... Um, was a... Uh, somebody hit him. So just in that in itself is legendary. Exactly. So I think the push by Lewis at the end, especially Brazil, shows how deserving he is. I think they both are very deserving. And I, regardless of who won the title, I think the person, the driver who won the title is absolutely deserving and put on a legendary performance this season. I 100% agree with you. I, that's, that's amazing. So now we've officially closed the book on our race reviews. <laughs> Now it's time to do Till our, next year. Now it's time to do our um, driver driver ratings. I guess this is the way we're gonna call it. So um, I have the list. A driver of, report card. We'll call it the driver, driver report, report card. card. Okay, drive, let's call it driver report card. So I have the list of all the drivers that have participated in races um, this year, and we're going to give them a grade from F to A. Obviously, A being best and F being worst, considering the circumstances that they've been in. So, with that being said, number 21 is Nikita Mazepin of Haas. I mean, Jordan, what do you got to say? Hold on, 21. We're considering Robert Kubica. For the We're considering Robert Kubica. And even though Robert Kubica did how many races? Two races, he still qualified over Nikita Mazepin. <laughs> That's funny. Um, Nikita Mazepin, I am going to give him, I have to say an F. I mean, if, I, <laughs> I, I hate giving people Fs. I don't, I don't like people failing. Um, but I have to give him an F because had he not have, let's call it the financial backing, financial starts with an F. Let's say he had he not had the financial backing that he currently has. I do not think that his contract would have been renewed. I think that um, given his situation, yes, he was in a terrible car, but I will say that uh, Mick Schumacher outraced him nine out of 10 times, and we'll get to that later. Yeah. And in comparison to Mick Schumacher, I think he drove an F. Um, I have to agree too. Nikita Mazepin gets an F from me. Um, I think that... Look, the numbers don't lie. Being handily outqualified by your teammate, always qualifying in P19 or, or P20, and never making and being the only driver um, 
on the grid to not make it to Q2, um, for me, that's enough, 100%. Yep. Um, next, uh, we have Robert Kubica, who brilliantly stepped in for uh, Kimi Raikkonen after he got COVID. Um, I don't really have much to say about this. Uh, me either. I don't really remember. I don't remember before. what he did, really. I'm going to give him a C because he tried. Sure. Yes. Robert, uh, you're, he's back as the Alfa Romeo reserve driver next season. It was confirmed already. Um, so looking forward to hopefully maybe seeing you if uh, Bottas or if Guan Yu Zhou catches COVID. Let's hope that neither of hope, them get COVID. Hope not. But if they do, I hope to see you there. Right. <laughs> All right. Now, P19, we have Mick Schumacher. Um, and this is the last of the pointless scorers. So P19, Mick Schumacher, what do you, what do you give him? So I'll give Mick Schumacher a C plus. Okay. Uh, I'll be actually specific. I'll give him a C plus because I think that he did as much as he could given his first season. There were a couple of times where he gave a Latifi a run for his money, somebody who's already had a season in the belt in terms of wheel-to-wheel racing. Um, just in Abu Dhabi, for example, he was competing with Latifi at the end. So you could tell that he was bringing the car uh, up uh, as much up the grid as he, he was able to, given his circumstances. I'll give him a C plus because he deserves to be an F1. And I think that his racing, specifically his racing, showed it. I'm giving, I'm giving him a C. I'm not giving him a C plus uh, because uh, on, I, on, I, his race engineer would get an A plus, 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 plus. Yes, Gary. I would personally book a therapy session with his, th- with his race engineer. Because the way that he calmed Mick Schumacher down after whatever was spinning on, on a safety car. In Imola. Other. Yeah, in Imola. That was amazing. But Mick Schumacher gets a C from me. I think making it into Q2 and a Haas, even though I just ripped Nikita Mazepin for not doing it, getting into Q2 and a Haas is an achievement. <laughs> so, um, and all things considered, he ran circles around his teammate. So for me, that's, uh, all things considered, I think that there were situations where he could have done better, like the rookie mistakes in Imola, like like in Abu Dhabi. Um, some redeeming parts were um, like Hungary, where he fought with Max Verstappen, even though Max Verstappen had half a car. Um, I think in general, it was a solid season for Mick Schumacher, but, you know, nothing impressive. from. So for me, that's a C. Next, we have... Jojo, Antonio Giovinazzi, with three points in P18. Jordan. Ah, it's really sad to see Gio leave Formula One. For those who don't know, he will be in Formula E next season. And I think he's a reserve driver for Ferrari, if I'm not mistaken, next season. Yes. Yes, he is. Uh, I believe reading that, I read that somewhere. To be confirmed, but I did read that somewhere. Either a rumor or he's confirmed, but read that somewhere. Um, really sad to see Gio leave F1. Hopefully, we'll see more of him soon. I think that Gio deserves. I, I'm going to be nice actually on this one. I'm going to give him a B minus. 
Gio got an Alfa Romeo into Q3. That does uh, multiple times. That doesn't happen much. Um, <laughs> does he deserve to not have the seat? Like we said on a previous podcast, I think the money plays a big role into it. So it's very much up for debate. I'll give him a B minus. I think JoJo gets a D for me. A D, interesting. Yeah, I'll I'll explain I'll explain why. Sure, he brought an Alfa Romeo into Q3, but he blew it so many times when he had the opportunity to score more points. He could have easily ended up with with uh, he could have ended up with uh, better places in Monaco. He could have uh, done much better when he started seventh in, I forget which race. Um, I think there were situations where Antonio Giovinazzi honestly blew it. I don't think he deserves to stay in F1. That's a D for me. Do you have anything to fight me on it? Because I'll, I'll Look, I'm, all I'll say is that I, 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 I cannot say with conviction that he completely deserves to stay in F1. Nor can I say with conviction that he completely deserves to be kicked out of F1. Okay. However, I will say that I think it's great that there is a, at least one rookie in the, in the driver lineup for next year. That's fair. That's a very fair, fair assessment. Okay. So now P17, we have Canadian boy, Nicholas, Nicholas Latifi. Uh, I think I'm, I'm going to start this one off. I think Nicholas Latifi gets a B for me. Um, oh. Yeah. I'll explain why. He got points in a Williams. That's it. Nothing else. <laughs> he got okay. No, he got no, 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 no. Uh, let me, let me. I'm not. I actually have more to say. So he got points in Williams, and he actually outqualified George Russell. So for me, doing both of them, not to be for me. Uh, look, I. I have to go the opposite direction. I think it's a D. It's a D season for Nicholas Latifi. I think that next, his contract is done after this year. Uh, Williams team principal, Joss Capito said, I believe on multiple occasions that Williams is not the team anymore that requires crazy financial backing. Hint, hint. They don't really need paid drivers anymore. And unless you live under a rock, I think we can qualify Nicholas Latifi as a sort of paid driver. His father's company, Sofina Foods, was one of the main sponsors on the Williams car in 2020. They had also a big sponsorship on the car this year. Um, we can you know, conclude that his financial backing is a large part of why he's in F1. No secret there. Um, but what's lacking in Nicholas, so we'll see what happens in 2023, but what is lacking in Latifi's racing for me and what's giving him a D in my books is the consistency. Uh, and to me, I associate those stellar performances in Hungary um, and uh, out-qualifying George Russell. I associate those performances to more lucky situations than, than anything. The whole pile up, turn one hungry. We know what happened there. So that's my take. Fair point. That's honestly very fair assessment. All right. Um, P16, we have Kimi Raikkonen. 
With the Iceman total. The Iceman himself. Look, I'm gonna give him. I'm gonna give him a C, because the C is the type of grade that you give to someone that kind of like you know studies a day or two before the exam. They don't, you know, like you know what I mean. It's it's the type of grade that that is given when you realize it's your you don't really care anymore. I think that he didn't really care anymore. And to me, it showed there was a lack of heart that I, that I saw this year. And that's why I'll give him a C. I'm actually giving him a D for the same reasons. Plus, he crashed into his own teammate on a straight. And that's a really not rookie move. Like, he did, he did a rookie move. And he's the he's the most experienced driver in the history of Formula One. Like you don't do that. <laughs> um, it was in Portimao. He crashed into Giovinazzi and uh, yeah, the third lapper. Whatever. But I think that that was the beginning of the end for Kimmy. So I think that just not caring at all and being subpar the entire season for me that's a D. Yeah, agreed. Okay, great. Next, P15 with 16 points. George Russell, for me, that's an A. 100% George Russell is getting an A. The man got a podium in Belgium, even though it was the shortest race ever. I don't care what you say. He got a podium in Belgium. He got points in Hungary. He got points in other races, which I forget. Uh, He qualified P3 in Russia. Uh, the the man drove the crap off that car <laughs> uh, and I cannot like I sent you this video Jordan actually where um, it came from Mercedes Instagram where George Russell steps into the light and he says George Russell 23 years old driver for Mercedes AMG Petronas Formula 1 team and that hit me I cannot wait to see him in a Mercedes a he's an a for me uh i couldn't agree with you more i think he's an a if i were uh if i were to be to just add on to what you're saying the one thing that i'll say is that he did all of that that's why i'm giving him an a but what speaks to me more is the fact that he got the mercedes seat because there are data that jonah and i don't have and that total wolf and the mercedes staff do have that they're able to look at to assess and to determine his performance and to uh, assess the driver that he is. And they saw with the data how much, how, not only how good he is of a driver and how well he performed, but how well he's progressed since he started Formula One. That's fair. He's learned so much and he's shown that he's grown so much at a bottom team for that reason and that reason only, I think it deserves an A. So yes, A for George Russell. We're both in agreement. Good luck in Mercedes. All right. So now P14 with 32 points, we have Yuki Tsunoda. Oh, it's really funny that you mentioned Yuki Tsunoda. Well, you're going to mention him anyway, but it's funny that we mentioned Yuki Tsunoda because when he was asked in a press conference uh, what he thought of his, his renewal or the fact that he was getting renewed, he said that he was surprised and the reporter asked him why and he responded with, I crashed the car too many times. I think I thought they would be so upset. So I find that really funny. I'm going to give Yuki Tsunoda a C. I think it was an average season, kind of like Gio. I can't really 
say with conviction he deserves to be an F1, and I can't say with conviction he doesn't deserve to be an F1. He's, he's sort of kind of the driver that's on the fence for me. I think what's really going to determine that is to see if he's actually learned anything from this past year and is able to show it. So I'll give him the standard C. It's, it's, it's actually pretty good for a first-year driver. That's honestly solid assessment. Uh, I think that because he crashes the car too much, I'm giving him a C minus. <laughs> okay, fair enough. But yeah, but for, it's no, for but it's first, it's the qualifying for me that find, um, that sets Yuki apart because had he done better in qualifying, he would have scored my, many more points. Agreed. I just I think that for a first year driver where you're really learning the ropes, it's not like you're just switching from team to team. You're relearning the ropes of Formula One itself. Um, granted, uh, I, I I again this is no judgment, but I play Formula One. 2021 on my Xbox, and my favorite car to drive is the AlphaTauri. Just it's 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 oh. it's, it's it's become my favorite car to drive. Um, but yes, I think that because it was his first season, he's just learning. I think it's a great uh, great first season. Yeah, it's honestly solid. Decent, very from. decent. Yeah, I think there's nothing else to say uh, about that. Like solid season. I think he just needs to learn how to handle his car. That's that's what I have about it. Exactly. Um, so, Jordan, P13. Oh, no, I know it's coming. P13 with 34 points is Lance Stroll. Uh, Jonah, go first. I'm going to cry. Oh, man. I feel so bad because he didn't drive horribly this season. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna need to give Lance like a C minus. <laughs> uh, I don't want to give Lance a D because it wasn't that bad of a season. But you're you're too nice, I find. Oh man, I'm giving Lance like a C minus because it was excessively mediocre. That is, I don't know, but like the thing is that same with Vettel, who we're gonna talk about later. Both of them drove the crap out of that car because they both had the most like first and fourth most overtakes in the entire season so it's not like neither of them can drive the points just didn't show this year at all so i'm giving lance a c minus because being aggressively in p11 is not a great sign. <laughs> Look, we clearly have differing opinions on Aston Martin season. I actually think that yes, they can drive and yes, they can overtake. But I think that uh, that 80% of the success of Aston Martin didn't come from the drivers. I think it came from Otmar Zafnauer this season with his strategy. Strategy genius. Yes. And I'm really excited for Martin Crack, I think his name is. No, his name's Mike Crack. Mike Crack, Mike Crack. I'm very excited for Mike Crack, but thank you to Otmar Safnauer. I think you're being way too nice to Lance. Maybe it's because he's my favorite driver that you have to go hard on him. I'm going to give him an F. I think it's an Whoa! F season. I think it's an F season. Wow. He should not have gotten out in Q3 uh, the amount of times that he did. In Q1, you mean? Sorry, Q1, the amount of times that he did. He should have shown up at the Q3 many more times than he did. 
Uh, and I think that that's what made him you know, naturally have to overtake more. Um, and I think a big part of the reason is because the strategy was there, the tires lined up, the timing lined up. I think it's an F season, big F season for Lance. I'm very disappointed in Aston Martin season. Oh, God. I understand they had a car that the regulations really screwed with them. But I think that um, even Vettel could have done better. Um, I think it's an F season for Lance. Yeah. uh, You're not holding back. Drop the mic. Drop the mic. Yeesh. Uh, All right. Well, in that case, I'm just going to let you go next and talk about Sebastian Vettel, who's in P12 with 43 points. Yeah, I'm giving Sebastian Vettel a D. Really, uh, it's not a good season from Aston Martin. I understand he had the best overtakes, which is why I'm not giving him an F. Maybe I'm way too hard on them. But, uh, you know, he got his one million jelly beans or whatever the prize he, <laughs> he got for the crypto.com uh, most overtake award. Lots of cryptocurrency sponsors this season. Velas at uh, Ferrari and Tezos at McLaren. Lots of crypto They're everywhere. They're everywhere right now. But, uh, but yeah, um, I'll just say that I think that Seb, you know, the one reason why I'm giving him more uh, a D rather than an F is because he was in Q3 more times than Lance was. I think he could have been there every other race, where it was, as it was very inconsistent with Aston Martin. Okay. Solid assessment. Yeah. Um, what about you? I'm giving Sebastian Vettel a C as well. I gave him a D. I'll give him a D plus. Yeah, uh, I'll I'll give him a C because he got podiums plus whatever you said. (laughs) Fair enough. Uh, Which is something that Lance did not get. And I don't know why. I think I'm just... I can't be mad at Lance. That's that's, that's the way that I'm I'm seeing this uh, analysis right now. But... All right. Uh, yeah, that's what I have. Uh, I'm giving Seb a C. I mean, what? No, I mean, did he? No, he didn't officially get two podiums. He got one podium and then he got the second removed because he didn't have a liter of fuel left. That was brutal. That was horrible. I hope that Aston Martin picks it up next year. I mean, I'm really sad to see Otmar Safnauer go, but uh, I d- did a little bit of deep diving into Mike Crack's uh, CV. Um, it looks very, very interesting, and I'm, I'm interesting to see what he was. And uh, also, um, for those who are who have never heard this man's name before, his name is actually Mike Crack. This is not a joke. He is the new team principal at Aston Martin Cognizant Formula One team. So, next. Jordan, I'm going to let you start this off. P11, 74 points, race winner, Esteban Alcon. When you look at the season in total, I understand why it could be a little underwhelming. I'm going to give him a C. I think he deserves to be a Formula One race winner. And I think that at times, especially near the end of the season, Aston, uh, Alpine performed well. He was in first place at one point in Saudi Arabia. Let's not forget that. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, he could have qualified a lot better, but I think that uh, in terms of the racing, he did really well when it was in a race setting. Mm-hmm. And for that reason, I'm going to give him a seat. I think he deserves the seat. And I'm really 
uh, happy to be a, an Akon fan. I think that he continues to grow every year. I th- you know what? I was ready for Akon to win two races this season. <laughs> yeah. There was a po- you know what? Something went in my head and I thought if Akon's in first, Hamilton and, and Verstappen are in second in Saudi Arabia and they crash into each other, Akon's going to win the race. <laughs> so that didn't happen, but I'm giving Esteban Alcon a B. Uh, You're even nicer than me. And I'm an I am nicer guy. than you because he won a race, uh, which is something that we can never take away from him. And in general, um, he, he pushed the limits of that Alpine. Um, and more consi- he pushed that Alpine more consistently, in my opinion, than his teammate, Fernando Alonso which is who is in 10th place with 81 points. And even though I gave Esteban Ocon a B, I'm also, I'm going to give Fernando Alonso also a B because um, of the way that he managed to come back into the sport and make his mark on the sport again, like he never left. Uh, I agree with you on the take of uh, Alonso. I really have nothing more to say about that. Alpine had a great end of the season, fantastic end of the season, where Ocon in Saudi Arabia was going to come in third. They were about to have two podiums in a row. Um, yeah, I think Alonso come on. Also, come on. Deserves, I, yeah. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll stick with that analysis on Fernando Alonso as well. Okay, cool. In that case, P9, Pierre Gasly, 110 points. Say what you want. This is an A season from Pierre Gasly. 100%. Yeah, look, I might be too nice. I'm giving him an A+. I think he deserves an A+. He is a fantastic driver. It's unfortunate to think that he could potentially leave the Red Bull family at one point. He really deserved a second stint at that big team because he could be a multiple race winner. He's really good when he puts his mind to it and he's in a comfortable environment. And he doesn't have the wrong headspace. I think he's a fantastic driver. He knows how to qualify. And he knows how to race. And seeing him in P4 multiple times this season to start the race was incredible in what's supposed to be a junior team. He beat He started Sergio P2 Perez. in Qatar. Yeah. He beat Sergio Perez in qualifications so many times. I think they were like almost even on quality performances too. That shouldn't happen from your junior team the one that's supposed to be the red bull academy the one that's supposed to be the red bull farm team not supposed to happen a plus he is an excellent driver and deserves a better car unlike unlike uh one of your favorite drivers uh sergio perez did not say they race me so hard when talking (laughs) about pierre gasly um yeah that's a little shot can't wait for him to come back at williams uh but yeah Anything, I mean, just to add on that, he got a podium in Baku. I mean, what yeah. more can you say about he's that? Had a, he's had a podium every year for the past three years. He was he was definitely, the, in my opinion, the most consistent driver on the grid this year. Absolutely. And, and you know, I think it's, uh, we'll get to Carlos Sainz in a bit, but I think it's a toss-up for most improved as well. Yeah, 100%. Um, on that note... Uh, in P8, we have, with 115 points, Daniel Ricciardo. Uh, I'm gonna be Controversial very pick. 
Uh, I'm giving him an F. Whoa! What? Yeah, yeah but if I were to give him an F, I'd, I'd give him an F plus, if that's a thing. Or Jordan, let's say a D minus. In Jordan, that area. he won a race. Yeah, I, even if he won a race, it's one race. I think that his inconsistency triumphs uh, that race. I really think that the, maybe what the D... But I'll give him a D just because of that race. I'll be nice. Jordan, that's the biggest hot take of this entire season. No, this season for me... Ricardo getting an F? He was way too inconsistent. He won one race, but every other race, he was, you know, half the time was outside of the points in a McLaren. Um, Maybe more than like seven on ten times out of the points. I... uh, I think it was a very disappointing season just because of the amount of inconsistency. And when, you know, when it was raining with Daniel Ricciardo, it really poured and he was way out of the points. Okay. I think that it was very hard. That was very, that was very harsh. I think that that's what it is. And I would say that like, yes, you know, he's going to a new team. He has to learn the ropes when you're, like I said, the entire season. You have to relearn all of the specificities with your new team. And at one point when you go, when you jump from team to team, it can get harder and harder. I think that that really came to bite him in the behind. I think that that one race, it's Monza, it's a temple of speed, and we know it's a track where anything can happen. So I think that's a big factor as to why he won the race. But I think that his inconsistencies triumph over his race win. I was going to give him a C. Yeah, I meet my D minus. That's rough. I'm giving him a C because say what you want, he won a race. I mean, uh, you know what? Um, I will I will agree with you though. It was definitely not a fantastic season for Daniel Ricardo. Um, I can't I like honestly, if we counted the amount of times that uh, sorry, if we took a shot for the amount of times that Daniel Ricardo finished in P11, we would probably die of alcohol poisoning. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I think it's the same thing. Uh, just being out of the points, especially in the beginning of the season where they were really on it. What happened with McLaren at the end of the season? I don't even know. Um, but, yeah, that's that's what I have uh, – about Ricardo, I think that he was he was out of the points too much, but he did win a race. So I'm giving him credit where credit is due. He won a race. Or clearly you don't think the same way because you gave him an F, which you upgraded to a D. So uh D minus. D minus. Okay. That's passable. All right. P7. <laughs> um p7 we have with 159 points charles leclerc so for me um i'm giving him a c uh because i thought that this was going to be a year where charles leclerc stamped his authority on that number one ferrari seat and he didn't carlos signs in my opinion drove much better over the course of the year i mean we could say that Charles Leclerc could have won in Silverstone, but he didn't. Um, but in general, it was it was not that, considering all circumstances, good year that we expected from Charles Leclerc this year. I think that Carlos Sainz was a much better driver, and uh, 
for someone that was in their first year in Ferrari versus the guy that has the longest and the richest contract in Ferrari history, I think that uh, he did not do as well as I thought he was going to do. So I'm going to give him a C. Yeah, you're being too nice. I think maybe I'm just, I don't know if I'm being too hard or too nice. I was going to give him a D. Um, I think that this He did get was, a podium though. <laughs> I, I think the season was passable for Charles Leclerc. Yeah, but Carlos Sainz got four. Um, and it was his first year with Ferrari. So um, I think that the reason why he qualified P1 those two times back-to-back races was because it was a hectic qualifying in both sessions and, you know, there were crashes and red flags. I think that... Oh, yeah, he had pole positions too. What are you talking about? Because I, who knows what would have happened after the red flag. He could have won Monaco. (laughs) Who knows? I think that... It was a passable season um, just because Carlos Sainz drove that car so much better. Yeah, that's that's the, that's the that only reason why. That's the way that I see it, too. Um, all right, well, moving on to that, with 160 points in P6, we have Lando Norris. Honestly, great start to the season. Fantastic start to the season. Very impressed. I'm going to give him a B. The only reason why I wouldn't give him an A is because I felt, like you mentioned on the podcast, I felt near the end of the season there was some lack of immaturity that was there. Maybe he started getting angry with the team. Not trying to spread rumors, but who knows. Um, But yeah, uh, I think that he's just shy of an A with, with a B. So give him a B plus. He almost won a race. He qualified in pole. Uh, you know, he he got a few got, podiums too. Got a few podiums too. P two highest race finish. Um, yeah, I, I'll give him. I'll give him a B. I uh, think he's. I, I think he's McLaren's future. I think that they should build with him. And if he shows that he can continue to learn and be, uh, and to grow with them in a positive way, I think uh, the sky's the limit. I'm giving him a C because of that horrible end of season. Um. Sure, the podiums were the podiums were great. The poll was great, but I think that him telling his his race engineer to shut up on the last lap of Russia when they asked him to pit um, was the start of the downfall of his season. Um, Agreed. So, I I can't get over the immaturity that Lando had near the end of the season. And for me, that's why he gets a C. I, Very fair. I don't know why. There's something that sticks with me that he's he's giving me like a stubborn, like stubborn baby vibes, which seems really <laughs> weird to say about an F1 driver. But that's that's what I got near the end of the season from Lando Norris. So, I mean... Take all the podiums, and I, I think that it balances out in my in my opinion with the podiums and the pole and everything. It balances out to a C because I don't know. I just can't get over the the lack of maturity that he had in some of the races. And if he expects to continue his career in Formula One like this, he needs to get a little bit more level headed. Very fair. Well. I'm very happy that you haven't fought me on my takes here. Um, 
P5, Carlos signs 164.5. Do I need to say this? This is an A. This is an A season. Yeah, to me, this is an A+. Plus. Uh, I think he <laughs> is the most improved driver of the season. I think that uh, he really... I think the reason why it's an A is because he surpassed a lot of expectations. Yeah. That's... Yeah, that's the best thing that's I could it. say. Is yeah. multiple podiums, smashing Charles Leclerc, um, smooth operator, Mr. Chili, beautiful, beautiful season from Carlos Sainz, in my opinion. Agreed. Um, yeah, well, all right. I'm ready for the hot takes to roll in. P4, 190 points. Sergio Perez. Was Daniel Ricciardo not hot enough for you? Yeah, uh, you know what? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was a pretty that was a pretty hot take, my friend. Um for Sergio Perez, uh, let's give him a B. I mean, I was gonna give him a B too. Okay, not uh, <laughs> not super hot. Yeah, no, we'll give him a B. Um at the it, we it showed at the beginning of the season that he took his time to get used to the Red Bull car. And I think that he really learned as time went on what his job is at Red Bull. And I think that that's what made him do so well near the end of the season. And I think that he's just going to carry that on to next season. I have high expectations for Sergio Perez next season. I think he will meet those expectations. And I think that this season, because of his end of season, three podiums in a row, um, defending Max multiple times, and being a huge help in Max winning the championship, I'm going to give him a B, more like a B plus. I'm going to give him a B too. I think that it was a very solid season from him. I mean... Um, I don't know. Maybe it's recency bias, but I still can't get over that very lackluster beginning of the season. But uh, I think that overall, like the same thing with um, Lando Norris and his good beginning of season and his terrible end of season balancing out to a C. I think that Sergio Perez is even in Sergio Perez's bad beginning of the season, he still qualified P2 in Imola. So I will give him credit where credit is due and give him a B on that because the race win, the podiums, the saving max, I think it's it's worthy of a B season. And I think that next year he could definitely he could definitely win a few more races. Uh, he could I, th- I think that he could definitely be an A-plus driver next year. That's the way that I see it. Absolutely. Okay, fantastic. Oh, boy. Jordan, I'm going to let you talk about this. P3, 226 points from Finland, Valtteri Bottas. Ah, uh, uh, well, look. I really had high expectations for Bottas going into the season. I thought that this is a season that he was going to prove to everybody that everybody can go fly a kite. He is the real deal. To whom it may concern. To whom it may concern. Mm-mm. I think that uh, he really, really uh, missed the expectations that were put on him this season. He got demoted. But after he got demoted, he actually did decent, not many podiums. He got the race win, but he did decent. Um, I think it's really hard to say 
I think that given the entire season, he deserve he doesn't does nobody deserves to be demoted. But I think that the demoted was given with 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 it was reasoned and there and and he and the reason the demotion was done for a reason. I think it was right for him to be demoted. I'm gonna give him like a B minus C plus. It's really hard because I had such high expectations. I'm giving him a D, Jordan. Maybe I'm too nice. That's what you told me earlier. Yeah, I guess. Uh, I'm giving him a D. He should have won more than one race. It was that simple. I mean. Yeah, I agree. Look, he stopped He stopped caring, in my opinion, uh, when basically the writing was on the wall that he was going to get replaced. And then once... Once he finally had no expectations on him, he ended up moving up. So, in my yeah, opinion, so he should have won more races. It gives me more of like a, a B minus range because no, I think for a, me he did he did you know clean sweep Turkey, which is a hard track. So it is. That's a very that's a fair assessment. But uh, so, I will say that he should have more weekends like Turkey in the officially best car in the season yes agreed so with that being said oh my um lewis hamilton p2 307 sorry 387.5 points i mean look i think this is an a season for him that's it i'm gonna put a little asterisk on that I think it's more of an A minus season. Okay, it's that's a legendary, fair. a legendary season for granted. To, to, granted, it's a legendary season, but I do think that a lot of what happens in Formula One is not only on the track; it's also off the track and how the drivers conduct themselves off the track. And Lewis Hamilton is a stand-up guy shows a great deal of sportsmanship, especially after the world championship was decided yeah. with the interview right after. But everything following that, the rumors right now of him maybe not continuing in F1 next year um, based on the FIA's decision. As a fan, I'm kind of disappointed that those rumors are circulating because I said at the beginning that I don't like it when the FIA is influenced to make a certain decision. And I feel like the one thing that is influencing the FIA to make a decision is him threatening to not be in Formula One. He is, yeah. the big, he is the biggest star in Formula One. He is the reason why England has such a, not the reason, but a huge reason why England has viewers every single weekend to watch Sir Lewis Hamilton perform. And the reason why I'm going to give him an A- minus is because of the the performance that happened after the season. I think a lot of what goes into the season is what happens after the season. So I'm going to give him an A minus for that reason. Uh, solid assessment. I'm giving him yeah. an A. I'm giving him an A because I'm throwing that out the window. And uh, I'm going to talk about how he drove an amazing season from the opener in Bahrain to the crash in Silverstone and then winning from the penalty from Brazil, literally last the first twice over from Saudi Arabia. I think 
in general, this was a memorable season for Lewis Hamilton because when we compare it to last season, I don't think that Lewis Hamilton had any memorable races. I think it was just Lewis Hamilton being Lewis Hamilton, except for maybe winning Silverstone on three wheels. It was just Mercedes dominance. Um, this year, Lewis Hamilton showed how good he is of a driver. Um, so that's that's why he gets an A season for me. Very fair. If it was just the track, I would have given him an A. Okay. And now, last but not least, P1, 395.5 points. Your new world champion from the Netherlands, Max Verstappen. Do I need to do I need to say anything? Yeah, it's an A. Champion. Yeah. A. <laughs> a A A A A. Um could do with uh with not trying to squeeze in to tight corners less, but other than that, A. Yeah. That's that's it. A ten wins, three thousand points. Always remember after that Monza crash. That's what you get when you don't leave the space. <laughs> All the time you have to leave it a space. Yeah, love it. That's Anyways. that's an that's an Alonzo it, bit from I don't know how how long ago, but it was an Alonzo radio from from probably early twenty tens or something like that. But yeah, hey, and he's that a world champion. Our 2022 season. 2021, Jordan. 2021 season. Oh, my. That could be the 2021 <laughs> season. Well, um, yeah, we did it. I can't believe it. Uh, we're at the end of the season. Um, on behalf of the both of us, uh, thank you very much for listening all the way through from whenever we started. I think we started in April. So through Just crazy time, to think. Uh, through all this time, thank you for listening to us. Um, we really, really appreciate it. Jordan, it's been an absolute pleasure going through uh, this uh, these last few months uh, of the crazy season that we had. Um, do you have anything else to cap off? Uh, I am very excited for 2022. Great. <laughs> and well, the last thing that I'll say to cap off is that Jonah and I have a very big announcement to make we have purchased our tickets for the 2022 canadian yes, we, did. <laughs> we will be there so anybody wants to spot a, a familiar face and talk up some f1 find us at the canadian grand prix yeah we will see you at the canadian grand prix in 2022 if you want to follow us Throughout the 2022 season, throughout the offseason, throughout whatever the hell is going on in the world of F1, feel free to uh, like our Facebook page and follow us on Instagram at the JJF1 podcast. And we will see you for the next episode. See ya. See ya.